Yo, 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 what's up? According to the soil, the podcast. You see right there at the top. It's all about the south side, the best side. This is how we get it done. Your White Sox podcast. We keep it real. We keep it a buck. And, man, I'm co-hosting with my guy, Big Media, White Sox beat reporter, Terrence Tomlin at Tomlin Does It. What's up, bro? Yes, sir. Hey, bro, I'm feeling good, like you said, ready to, ready to keep it extra real on our South Side brothers, man. I feel like we're needed, man. I don't know how much attention you play, uh, you pay to, to White Sox Twitter. Right. But, man, yeah. we, we, we I think we're needed, bro, so we may be the heroes of the, of the Sox fan base for right now. Well, before we get into our topics this week, and for everybody, this is going to be a weekly podcast uh, each and every Sunday night. We'll be recapping the week talking about a few things about the teams, then giving you a little bit of, you know, MLB on the way out, and then we'll look forward to the week to come. And to this point, I can't wait till we get to the week to come because this might be the best litmus test that we've had for this team coming up this week. No, absolutely, man. You know, I've been a – you know, it's some get some games that you circle on the schedule, some series that you just look forward to. And this month of June has a has caught my eye the first time I saw it. Uh, the Blue Jays, we knew Vlad Jr. was going to be coming in here. He ended up coming in here swinging a super hot bat. Um, they were able to throw some ice on him. Right. I know we'll get to that a little bit later. But, man, you know what's waiting on us, you know, less than 24 hours. It's Tampa Bay Rays, who, you know, I've paid – a little bit of attention to SD man, and they playing some really fun baseball uh, down there. So I'm looking forward to to that measuring stick kind of series to see if our guys uh, can continue to to just show improve SD man. It's been a a series about you know facing adversity and just overcoming it, man. I'm 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 low key proud of those guys. I, I'm gonna go deeper, but you know I, I gotta let you know I'm proud of those guys. So we come out of this week. Let's go back and recap. The week against Toronto, you mentioned it. Uh, they were able to hold a very good Toronto Blue Jays offense in check. Three really good outings by the starting pitchers uh, in that middle game, uh, the national game that it was, of course, on ESPN. Just seemed like the defense failed us a little bit late in that game. And it was kind of a reversal of fortune, right? Because the first game, we were held in check offensively until about the seventh or eighth inning. Yep. At that big time home run from Andrew Vaughn. And then we added some more runs to get the victory. Blue Jays had plenty of opportunities, plenty of opportunities against Carlos Rodon. And they just couldn't get the runs across. And then our bats woke up late. And then the second game of the series, it was just like a total 180. We had the opportunities early. Should have put that team away. Couldn't. And then all of a sudden they get the big uh, crooked number in the late innings and they end up with the victory. But we took two out of three from probably what you could say is uh, the best series. Like if you could point to a series to say, okay, that's the signature series for the White Sox. It might be that Toronto Blue Jays series, especially when you see what they were doing offensively coming into the series and then what they went up to Fenway and did after they left Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I feel like if you look and see how they took it out on the Red Sox, like you said afterwards, you look right. at what the White Sox were able to do, and you 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 feel impressed. Um, but like you said, I it was a couple of weekends ago. I can't maybe two or three weekends ago we had that that series in the Bronx versus the Yankees, uh, right. where I was feeling good about the White Sox, and they didn't come out of that one in good shape. 
Um, I was wondering when they were going to find an opportunity to show and prove again. It, it came in this Toronto series for sure, bro. Um, you, uh, the Blue Jays definitely had their chances, but it was really a series of pitching duels. You know what I mean? Uh, some really yeah. good pitching from the south side and, you know, for some unusual suspects from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. But like you said, man, the offense uh, coming through and the clutch situations coming through uh, with their backs on the wall was kind of the theme of that series, man. And um, I feel like what we're what we're learning from these guys is that, first of all, you can never count them out. That's a, that's one of the things that I feel like I was interested in seeing if it would carry over from the Rick Renteria days. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I wanted to see if they still had that fight. They definitely do. Uh, but at the same time, they're showing you that they can win in all kind of ways. Yeah, you know I mean, close games, blowouts, small ball, deep ball. Uh, so uh, in that Toronto series, it was more of the same, man, showing you that th this is a team uh, that can grind out wins no matter what. You look at the three starters that the Blue Jays threw at them, which uh, for me is even more impressive, what they were able to walk into Fenway and do. Yeah, and man. Ray, Ray was fantastic. Man, he was like 95, 96 all night, even deep into the seventh inning. I think the pitch that Andrew Vaughn hit out to the opposite field was like a 95, 96-mile-per-hour fastball out of third, and he just put a good swing on it, you know, and just got him out of the game. And then Manoa, the, the youngster, came back the next, you know, struggled early. The White Sox had a couple of opportunities to get him early. But, man, that kid showed the grit and toughness he had along with the stuff. He's going to be a good starter for them moving forward. And then uh, Ryu, in that third game, the crafty left-hander doesn't throw as hard as the other two guys. Yeah, But, you know, he was able to put some things together and, you know, we were able to get the victory. But those are three solid starters. And for me, um, the resiliency, and this is something that, you know, I will get to it because a lot of people are upset with Tony La Russa for a lot of different things. But one thing Tony La Russa has said, even going back to spring, spring training, is that he knows this team. He said that from day one. He's like, I know my squad is going to compete. They're going to go out there and compete, and we don't give away at-bats. So even when they struggle, you know that they're out there competing, and eventually it just takes one or two good moves or two good at-bats and possibly put them in position to put runs on the board. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. I, would you say the most frustrating? So for you, the, the most frustrating series up to this point is what? The, uh, the Yankee series? That Yankee series. And, of course, you know, when you look back at – a couple of the early series, a couple of those early losses in the season, um, you know, where I feel like Tony La Russa was knocking some of the dust off of his shoulders, um, yeah. you know, just from being out of the game so long, just a couple of manager mishaps that I feel like could have been wins if this was a team that had been together for a little bit longer, especially with the, with a new manager, some of the new pieces. Uh, but over the, over the last month, over the last month and a half, um, if it's been so much more good than bad that I don't even want to call the Yankees series. Uh, you know what I mean? It happens in baseball, you know, yeah. it happens in baseball. And, and what you look at is how they bounce back, man. And, yeah. and the way they take it out on the next series and, uh, and, and they, and the way they don't stay down too long, man, I, I feel like that's more of what I pay attention to uh, when it comes to, you know, some of the losses so far, they haven't done a, a bunch of losing, you know, Right. Well, 17 games over, man, at about a 6-1-9 clip winning percentage. 
You're right, man. They haven't lost a lot, but they continue to lose pieces of the core. Ah, Nick Mazzini ah, holds down, and that's man, why he's trying to beat out an infield um, ground ball and uh, just came up lane about a, a, a step and a half short of first base, and uh, he goes down. And uh, very similar to how Luis got, you know, trying to beat out infield ball. Right now, you know, the prognosis is one or two things. We know it's a torn hamstring. Either it's going to be surgery out for the year or rehab it. And we're looking at him maybe being back late August. You know what? And that injury happened in a game where I feel like we were seeing uh, the best Nick Madrigal we had seen, man. I, I feel like he's one of the players that um that Tony Larusa had had been having some fun with, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, moving them either at the top of that lineup behind Tim or right at the bottom where you'll get that uh, that magical Tim combo, you know, uh, in, in some of the middle to late innings, man. And I, I thought it was really beneficial to the team. So I hated seeing him, you know, hurt himself the way he did on that uh you know on that grounder bro because again you you just talked about it bro the um the you know the competitive nature of this team you know that he wanted to beat that grounder out yeah um and, and probably would have if he didn't have to pull up a little bit man but what's going on with these injuries it is you know i i know we've had some ticky tack ones man but the you know the 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 serious injuries to some of the core players have been you know, really significant this year. Um, I feel like in in the big picture of things, when it comes to guys like Nick Madrigal, they may, you know, lean more towards the the long term, you know, make sure he gets back right. right. It's not all about this year. Even though, you know, you lost Eloy, you lost Luis, you're still 17 games over 500, uh, running away with the Central Division, you know, top two, three teams and all of the – you know, and the whole damn thing. And then you have this injury to Nick Madrigal. And I, I feel like this was the first time, at least I was like, okay, now. I'm like, okay, we lost Eloy. Right. You lose Luis. Yeah. You can't lose nobody else. You know I mean, yeah. especially not, not, you know, somebody significant. And then it happens to Nick. And then you just kind of sit back and you're like, well, it is what it is. Danny Mendick, come on down. You know, it's um, it's it's been a, a beautiful situation. The next man up, and you kind of got to tip your cap to the guys because they yeah. just continue to pour out a little liquor for the homies that's, and keep it moving. Keep it going. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the best uh, quality of this team so far. I agree. I agree totally. The camaraderie of the team is amazing for me. I think that series, that last Cleveland series at uh up in Cleveland for me was probably the most frustrating, especially that uh, Beaver, the that beat that Beaver game. Because we had him on the ropes. Yeah, man. We had, we had him on the ropes, man. And we uh, unfortunately we end up losing that game uh six five. And uh we had runners in position, Jose yeah. at the plate to go ahead and get it done. He hasn't gotten it done, or he didn't get it done in that situation. I don't want to say he hasn't gotten it done because the man is leading you know yeah. American League and RBIs once again. So, you know, so typical Jose Abreu stuff. Jose. And he's yes. just getting up into the 50s. And, you know, they've played more games than they played last year in the truncated season. And he has 62. Monster. RBIs in the truncated season. Monster. Monster. 
Monster, yeah. It's crazy. So you brought up something that I really want to tap into before we start talking about uh, the Nick Magical. Uh, well, no, we can stick right there. Panic, not the fan base, but the White Sox internally. Panic or patience now when it comes to, like, how they approach the Nick Magical injury situation. And regardless of whether or not they receive a good prognosis, you know, will they say to him, we would much rather you go ahead and have the surgery. You know, we got you because we want you to be fully healthy. We don't want to take any chances. And then as they look across the landscape of Major League Baseball, you know, there's a lot it's a lot of people trying to make the connection of Trevor Story and the Rockies, you know, how much do you give up for him? You know you have the two big guys coming. Before you even answer that, you touched on something that's really dope. Give me where with the three guys that are hurt. If I said give me your top five guys that cannot get hurt on this roster at the beginning of the season, what would have been your top five? I'm interested in hearing this. The top one and two guys are, are definitely were the first two to go. I'm wow. definitely thinking. I'm definitely thinking. Well, Luis, you, you, you would have put Luis before Jose. <sighs> yes, because I feel like even if Jose goes out, then I feel like that's when Tim Anderson. You know I mean, that's when you just see him kind of evolve into more. You know, the leader that he's going to be eventually. You know what I mean? I feel like this team, you know what I mean, you know, and you, let me know if I'm tripping, but I just feel like the theme has been that these guys are just not ahead. There's no such thing as being ahead of your time when it comes to these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, even if Jose went out, I feel like his uh, his leadership, you know, the guys would have picked it up and somehow. Now, product, you know, productivity-wise, man, when you look at the power, you know, in that that three, four, five, you know what I mean, uh, where Eloy and Luis would have been, I'm struggling to still understand how they've survived without that there. And I know it took a, a super surprise and, and our boy Yermin, you know what I mean, Yermin stepping in and starting yeah. off as hot as he did. Right. That was just an, an insane situation, but it just goes along with the guys are contagious. But I'm definitely going Eloy, Luis, and then I'm probably going Jose Abreu as my top three. Um, but then I, we've seen this team with with some guys that, you know, that have been yeah. down. We've seen Tim Anderson hurt for an extended period of time, and we know what we miss when he's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, major injuries to the pitcher staff would have been devastating, I feel. You know what I mean? If, that probably if, would have been definitely the most devastating thing if we had lost Giolito or Lance Land, because yeah. we had a Lance Land scare early on in the season, yeah. and I didn't even know what his injury was. I'm sitting there like, how? Like it ended up being what a, a nerve issue in his back, or something. Attack. yeah. And so, um, but he's bounced back great from that. So, um, you, you keep your fingers crossed because the bullpen has been shaky, and you, you still want Kopech to come back. Has and, the bullpen um, been shaky, or or has it just been isolated incidents? I asked this because I really want to like throw that out there because the fan base has kind of just made that like a sticking point. Like, the, <laughs> like with seven games, 17 games, over 500, five and a half clear Cleveland as of today, 
And like they act like the bullpen on Fangraphs is like the fifth best bullpen in Major League Baseball. Like, and I think you have guys like yeah. the uh, decline of Matt Foster. We yeah, uh, he had a good outing this weekend against Detroit. He did blowout game. Um, Evan Marshall. Evan Marshall. He struggled, but then he looked good. I think they've just been inconsistent. A hundred percent. They haven't been as consistent as we thought. Especially because um, last season, I feel like those are the guys you leaned on heavy. And it came through most of the time. You know what I mean? So those were the guys that you kind of thought you weren't going to have to worry about. Um, but you look at the new additions, man. You know, Michael Kopech, who, who I feel like has been just amazing, just been able to do whatever he's been asked. You know what I mean? Just to have him in the bullpen gives you a bullpen – what most teams don't have. You know what I mean? So, um, but I still feel like Tony LaRusa has to find his road to, to Hendricks. You know what I mean? He, he still, he, he does have to solidify some kind of path to his closer. I know? think he wants, he wants, he wants it to be, I'm looking at the playoffs. If he had everything the way he wanted it to go, I'm thinking he would want the seventh, to either be Kopech, Crochet, the eighth to be Bummer, and the ninth to be Hendricks. That's everything working together. But Bummer has been inconsistent, so he really hasn't been able to pick. But he keeps putting him putting him in those situations. Bummer was fantastic uh, Friday night. He was. He was. He was fantastic Friday night. But see, now, I'm wondering, what do you think about Liam – you know, with those two innings. You know what I mean? What do you think about him as a six-out closer? Is that something that you think he can handle in a pressure situation? Is that going to be the go-to move? Because if you can go Kopech, Crochet, then pass it to, to Liam, you know what I mean? That, that should be that, you know able to close the door. That's at least what I've been feeling. I think we're touching on, I think right now, but we're really foreshadowing what Rick Hahn's going to be looking at at the trade deadline. Like this discussion right here, we're kind of foreshadowing like who's going to be that guy you add to this mix mm -hmm. to give you the four horsemen to lead you to the end of that ball game. Because you have yeah. three. You have three for sure. Who's going to be that other guy? You have Crochet. You have Kopech. Bummer's been a little inconsistent. If they get one more solid arm that they can really depend on, be a trade or something like that, especially a veteran, or possibly have somebody there's a kid in double A who was supposed to be a starter, and they pretty much exclusively let him to go to the bullpen, and this dude is just dynamite. So we might have another Bobby Jinx situation coming when we yeah. get August and September. So it's a lot of things that can happen, you know, but I like I agree with you. I think he's looking for that path of Liam Hendricks, and I don't want to see him. I, I'm cool with him getting four outs. If he has to come out at the end of the eighth, okay, on base, two outs to get a right-hander or just to get anybody that's a tough hitter, I'm cool with that. And then get a fresh, you know, a clean inning in the ninth. I'm cool with that. But I don't want him, you know, going two innings. Now, as long as, like you said, it, I feel like Kopech and Crochet, honestly. You know what I mean? I, I almost – I almost feel like if you can get a little bit out of Evan Marshall, what we saw from him today, right? Yeah. If you can get that, 
You're good. Man, what the guy, what upsets me, T, and, you know, I don't want to get too much and too deep into it, but, like, when you have Evan Marshall, Matt Foster, these dudes have really good stuff. Uh, they can throw 94, 93 to 95 up in the zone with the fastball, good change-ups, decent sliders, but they try to nitpick way too much on that outside corner, man. And it's like, yo, when you have good stuff, use both sides of the plate, man. Move their eyes, man. I think everybody, when it comes to them, everybody knows where they're going to be throwing, and they're making it more difficult for themselves when they come out of the bullpen. Because Marshall has a very good power changeup. Very good. Let me tell you, I feel like that was the issue amongst the, the, the entire pitching staff. You know, at some point this year, man, guys that that can can overpower you or can basically put it wherever they want, trying to be a little bit too pretty. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, and and I I feel like that that comes from feeling like they can do whatever they want. Yeah, you know I mean that they can you know they can get the pitches that they want whenever they want, but sometimes you just got to go at guys. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you just got to go at guys and and sit them down. So I feel like. You mix that, and then you you understand that these guys are coming back from injury, trying you know trying to to pick it up on the fly. You you see uh, the starting rotation hold it down to where they are, and you want to go ahead and fulfill that for the bullpen. So uh, you know you you asked about patience or panicking. It's definitely about patience with these guys. I mean, you look at the calendar; it's still June, right? And and like you said, they've shown flashes. Yeah, you know I mean, they've shown that it's there. They just got to get consistent with it. You know. So are you patient with um, – do you think they should be patient in how they approach the roster and stick with Mendick and stick with Lewis and that combination unless something comes up right around the trade deadline? Should they be patient and just play it out? I mean, they are five, five and a half games clear of Cleveland. Looks like they're playing good. They have a tough seven-game stretch coming up. It's going to start with Tyler Glass now tomorrow night at home. But – should they be patient or should they be aggressive? You know what? I feel like the, the White Sox are in an interesting situation where uh, they have a couple of – they have a, a, a core where it, it's seemingly like the best of their careers are in front of them. But when you look yeah. at what's going on right now, I feel like you you have to feel like this team is good enough to win it all. Right. You know what I mean, especially – uh in the American League, I feel like you have to feel like you can compete and get to the American League Championship Series. And because of that, I'm not saying you have to panic, but you cannot be patient. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like I, – I don't think that this is a team. And then you look at the manager. Yeah, you know I mean, they brought – they didn't bring Tony La Russa here to be, you know, three, four years in trying to get a, a championship. This is – this year, yeah, here you know what I mean, this is a this year kind of thing, and I feel like, um, when you look down the line, if if Madrigal is out for the rest of the year, then you definitely have to to address that situation. And you know, Chris Goodwin, I mean, they've done good at piecing together pieces. Jake Lamb at the beginning of the season, uh, you 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 mentioned it early on, you know, giving these guys an opportunity to do their thing, they've delivered. Um, but if they can go ahead, doesn't this remind you, man? Because this is funny because, like, you guys cover the Bulls too. 
Like this reminds you like post Derrick injury. A hundred percent. And it didn't matter what point guard they brought in, they were gonna flourish. Nate Rock, yeah, Nate yeah. Robinson, John Lucas the third, it didn't CJ matter. Watson, yeah, right. bro. Because the atmosphere and like the camaraderie and the team, that was like, we're not going to lose. We're gonna continue to go out here and win. And, and, and that's a hundred SD, I feel like that's a hundred percent what it is. And talking to the guys over the last couple of years. It's crazy to have seen them go from just one or two players like Jose, Tim, right. are, are the most confident players on the team, to now it's the, you know, top to bottom. Anybody that fills in is going to have that confidence. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you've seen it with Billy Hamilton. You know what I mean? And the way that he's came and uh, able to, you know, breathe life into his career when he's, you know, a couple of teams, it felt like he was done. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Same thing with Godwin. Godwin said that yesterday, yes. uh, this weekend, you know, when he had that big game, that, that first game where he came out and had five RBIs, the big home run, he said, look, the White Sox were the only team that reached out to me. They were the original team that drafted me right out of high school. Yep. And I decided to go to college. And, uh, man, I was on my way out. And I didn't like how I got put out of the last situation I was in. And now I got a chip on my shoulder. So I'm about to make people pay. And when you get somebody like that and it get them to infuse into that locker room, yes, it's like, okay, like we just got an unseen blessing that we never expected. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And, and I'm going to go back to the company, you know, I'm going to touch a little bit back on what we were talking about, you know, Jose Abreu and, the, you know, him being the captain, but the leadership roles amongst the team. Yeah. When that situation with Yermin hitting the home run on 3-0, Right. You know, we really got a, a deep look into this locker room. You know what I mean? And the way that they rallied around, you know what I mean? Even some of, you know, some of the guys who I think people would consider Tony La Russa guys, like, right. like Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn. Yep. You know what I mean? Coming out and saying, no, this, this locker room is tight. If you putting on the jersey and, and you in the trenches, we're riding it. And honestly, that's the type of locker room, you know, that ends up in World Series. You know what I mean? So, right. um, SD, I, I got my fingers crossed that at least one of the guys comes back. You know what I mean? I feel I feel like well that cat Eloy's IG right now is yeah, you know, <laughs> he he's itching. You can see it. Yeah, man. And, and and he's itching, and I feel like he uh he's gonna have a big chip on his shoulder. I think he Absolutely. he felt really embarrassed, I feel. Because he was you know? already hurt for the playoff push. Yeah, man. Well, you know he was upset about that. And from what we're hearing, Louis is healing. At an accelerated pace, and and see now that you know that's the thing that I feel like I'm kind of I don't want to pay too much attention to, yeah, because I want Luis to be good for the long haul as well. Yeah, you know right. I mean, I don't want him to lose any of that speed. I don't want him to lose you know anything. So um, even though I'm glad to see that he's good, and I know that the organization is looking at him like, hey man. <laughs> If you can get back in August, be my guest. Right. Nobody's gonna stop him. Uh, but you know, as as somebody who who wants the window to stay open, I feel like it's value in keeping the window open as long as you possibly can. Right. Um, I'm still, you know, if, if they come back in August, that the rest of the league should be on notice. It is it, it's that'd be scary, Joe. Man, if you had asked me, because I didn't get a chance to give you my top three. If you had asked me three people, I'm like, man, we can't lose these three guys at any point in time to a major injury. I would have had 
Jose and Tim wanted to, right? Okay. I'm like, dude, you just need that RBI guy. Like, that dude, you need that dude. So uh, uh, Jose, 35, yeah. And, and ho, to me, Jose and Tim are interchangeable because Tim is so much the engine of this team and the heartbeat of this team and the engine to this offense. It's like, yo, when he goes, man, the offense goes. A hundred percent. And you, you see how he just comes back on business. Like it is no, let me get warmed up period. Yeah. He just jumps right back into the fire every time. And you just see what you missed immediately. You know? Right. Look, I, I told, I feel you. I feel you on that for sure. So as we move forward, man, and we get to preview, we get ready to preview the three games set at home with the Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. And as I said before, Lance Lynn, man, we got a great matchup in game one. You know, we had pitchers duels, pitcher duels, uh, the three games. And I expect nothing but the same in this Tampa series. And it's starting out with Lance Lynn and Tyler Glass now. I mean, that right there, you're talking about, you, we're probably talking about between those two guys, we might see like 70% fastballs thrown. 100%. And a lot of guys sitting down. You know what I mean? You're going right. to uh, right. feel like you're going to see a lot of K's tomorrow, bro. And honestly, this is another one that I have circled tomorrow that I can't wait for, man. Lance Lynn, um, it, you know, I know Carlos Rodon has done what he's done this year. But Lance Lynn, you know, for my money, has been our best arm. Uh, and for him to get this matchup versus uh, Glance now. I think I think but is Glance now leading the league in, in K's? He's one or two. Yeah, I believe he's leading the league in K's. And, and you uh, got Lance Lynn, um, because I know Degrom is leading the ERA, so Lance Lynn is either two or three, you know, over there. So see that Rodon thing is like it's crazy. Like Rodon, I think in order to qualify for the ERA, you have to have as many innings as games played for your oh, team wow. to qualify. So Rodon never qualifies until he pitches. Uh-huh. And wow. Once they play, he falls back out. Because That's he crazy. Have innings. So it's, 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 it's 117 for Tyler Glass now. 117 wow. Ks, only 26 walks. He, yeah, has given up, he has given up 10 home runs, though. So – that's what um you know what SD I was just about to say that I feel like the guys you know um I look at Tim and I know that he's been just you know he's just missed a couple I'm right. feeling like tomorrow is gonna be a day for those balls to fly cloud yes sir so, on the right field They're yeah gesturing the right field you definitely can get it out especially on a hot night I think this week is supposed to be a little bit cooler than it was last week yeah it's it's like uh, like high seventies low eighties yeah. yeah yeah. So at first pitch, by the time first pitch hits, we're probably looking at maybe mid-70s, you know, for the high. Oh, yeah. Could could be some uh, some fireworks tomorrow for sure. Man, some fireworks and some lights going on and off. You yeah, know flashing lights. Come on, let's get them. <laughs> Second game, Shane McClanahan against Dallas Keiko. Dallas Keiko was absolutely amazing in his last outing, man. And, and again, uh, you felt that coming for him. You know what I mean, yeah. um, I feel like he's been – he battled through May. Uh, he had a decent start to kick June off, but I feel like you you saw that he he had the stuff that he wanted. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I and I 
I didn't get a chance to see all of his last start, but I what I saw, I'm like, oh yeah, this this is him turning the corner. Yeah, you know I mean, this is him getting into Dallas Keuchel uh, form for sure. I think the toughest game for the White Sox, and that you know, McClanahan and a Glass now, two really good power pitching right handers. The toughest game to me because I've seen the White Sox struggle with these guys, left handers that throw hard and throw up in the zone. You know, I don't the bat the, the uh, White Sox batting against bat the Babbitt against high fastballs. Oh yeah, I think their slugging is like seventh, but their average is something like twenty fourth. You know what I'm saying? So you go back and I forget the kid's name, the young left hander that pitched uh, that first game for the Yankees. You know, he threw ninety four, ninety five, but it was up in the zone, and man, he just kind of mystified. The oh, White yeah. Sox, and it was a tough game. It was frustrating. You kept saying, like, how are they not hitting this kid, man? And they struggled. Uh, even Scooble, they finally got to him, but he had pitched a great game when they faced off at a guaranteed rate. He pitched a really good game on that Saturday and got the dub for the Tigers. Um, so Yarbrough is another kid, strong left-hander, young, throws 94-95 up in the zone. And um, he has a really good breaking ball, too. So guys like that, I think that's going to be the toughest matchup. I really think they can get the glass now. I really think they can get the McClanahan. Yeah. And uh, the matchup, Yarbrough against Geo in that game. Uh, we don't know. It's that point now. We're hoping Geo is starting to get back into form. Uh, but sometimes we we just don't know. And that's a 110 start, too. So that's um, a day game. And Geo hasn't pitched well during day games. He hasn't. Yeah. And um, when it comes to Lucas, bro, you know, I, I feel like, and I talked to, you know, somebody that scouted him, you know, in his days during the Nationals, and they said that they didn't like the way he was throwing, um, even though it was cold. They was like, yeah, he, uh, his fastball isn't, isn't his go-to pitch the way it needs to be in order for him to, you know, be as effective as he is and that changeup isn't, you know, you know, isn't there as much as it, it was, you know, in his Cy Young candidacy year. But um, yeah. he's another guy I feel like just needs a little bit of patience, you know. I feel like, you know, July, August, if he's still looking this way, then we'll hit the panic button. But I'm definitely willing, willing to give Lucas a little bit of time, you know. The best thing that has happened for Lucas is that even though he was considered the ace, the pressure has been alleviated by the performance 100%. of Rodon and Lance Lynn. Because he's kind of turned into the fifth. Yeah, I mean, at least far as production-wise, he's turned into yeah. that fifth starter. Yeah, I mean, even Dylan Cease has come in and been consistent. Yeah, I mean, right. uh, I, th I think that he kind of I, – I, talking to Dylan Cease after the game, I feel like he felt the pressure from Michael Kopech. Yeah, I mean, oh, Dylan Cease may have felt like if Kopech is taking somebody's spot, then it may be mine. You know what I mean? And no, sir. And I loved it. I loved the way he responded to that. But I feel like Lucas Giolito may have felt a little too comfortable. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. it may he may have been taking that ace talk to the head when I, when I feel like when you look at this rotation – anybody, you know what I mean? Anybody can be the ace. And it, like I, I'm going to keep saying Michael Kopech, because I Yo, feel like come playoff time, it, you know what I mean? That, 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 ace, that ace title is temporary. Yeah. You hear yeah. me? Yeah. 
I want people to understand. It's a, the, the White Sox gonna have to cut a three hundred million dollar check in about two three years, bro. Exactly, SD. When, I, when I'm talking about thirty four, yes, it, it's it's a big contract coming in that man's future. It's a different vibe when Jerry's he's on the mound. Jerry's gonna have to cut the check, man. He's gonna have to hundred percent. You know what? And uh, I know we've had the conversations about cutting. You know, the White Sox cutting the check. Um, I hope that they don't try to cut any corners with our boy. You know what I mean? I, I feel you like know what? that that's something we can get into before we tap into the Astro series, which is going to be a really good series. Another great lit, litmus test this week, four game series on the road. Yeah. Uh, we've had disagreement over uh, the financial dealings and the financial plans of the White Sox, uh, majorly around the whole Manny Machado thing. Yeah. Right? And then yeah, you see how they spend their dollars, yeah. Right. All right. And this is what I want to say, and this is why to this point I would say that Rick Hahn has to be uh, in the running, seriously in the running for executive of the year, in my opinion, in spite of everything and all of the obstacles and injuries and everything that's happened to this team. I still think he's done an amazing job, and he's added just enough depth Man, owes his team that this team can keep rolling. So when I say that, I think the White Sox have done an amazing job of using the assets that they had, which was Sale and Quintana, to get type top flight players in return that can be the core of a championship team. Not only have they done that, but they restructured their economic model, if you really look at them. They did go after Manny Machado and try to get him to be the cornerstone. They did. Along with Tim Anderson. And it didn't work out. We could debate whether or not they should have just gone ahead and guaranteed him the 320 up front, Mm -hmm. you know, and just gave him the bag and San Diego Diego would have never gotten into the race. I contend that he never wanted to be here in Chicago. I truly believe that. I truly believe he wanted to be on the coast. He wanted to be in a warm weather place. And that's why he played chicken with the White Sox and pretty much used them as leverage. I feel that too. So that's that's my thing. But people that, that hold Hans feet over the fire for that situation, I get it. Rock out. Can't can't get on you for feeling that way. Can't get on you for feeling Jerry Reinsdorf is cheap in that situation. I get it. But what they did to dive, to take more money and invest in the international pool. Yep. To build the facility and international uh, thing is Venezuela to have more impact in that area, to get the brand in that area. So the young kids coming up can recognize the White Sox brand. So Man. they see and then go out, you get Luis, right? First you get Jose, which was the which was the big get. Yes, sir. Right? He's a god to those players, right? Then yes, sir. Luis. Right, you draft Micker Adolfo, who's just struggled with injuries and he's kind of yep. in double A. That's the reason he you haven't seen him because he's been injury prone. Right, then you go and you get baby Cespedes. The same time you get baby Cespedes, Cespedes, you go ahead and get the number one pitcher in the international pool. Yes, sir. You turn around, and even though you don't have the money, you pretty much lock up Oscar Colas before the next international pool session even starts so you got the number one dude coming in there so what they've done is they've said 
okay, let's restructure this. We're not going to compete with Boston, New York, yes, for those big guys. Let's put our money, national talent, give them the signing bonuses, and then they get to the major leagues. Give them that long-term deal that's not going to kill us so we can lock them up for five to six years. And that's the plan. That's the model they changed. They tried to, T-Tom, when they won the World Series, they went out and got Tomei. Yep. Then after Tomei, they went and got Adam Dunn. Like, they tried <laughs> that model, and it has not been successful for them. So it's like, why keep banging your head up against and try to be something that you're not? Not a, this is where we disagree. To me, they're not a big market team. They're just not. They're not a big market team. They are in a big market, but their wallet is more of a mid-major. And I, I feel that. that. Look at it. And you have to look at this, too. The Central Division in American and National League has to be the two cheapest divisions in baseball when it comes to the owners. Has to be. Period. Now let me let me tell you, bro. I I feel like um, when we when we had that crazy debate about you know Manny Machado and just the overall look at how the White Sox uh, were known for spending their bread and their reputation versus versus what was in front of them at the moment. I feel like what I wanted to see was it's like okay, if you're not going to go ahead. And, and and throw the bag at Machado, then what's the plan? Right. You know I mean, it's like, okay, the plan is we're going to trust our, our guys, you know, that are homegrown, and we're going to watch them flourish, and we're going to bet on them. Right. But then at the, at the same time, and I didn't know this at the time, but it was like you said, let's restructure our, our international uh, market and our brand as far right. as those players go. And, and basically, let's focus on what we're good at. You know what I mean? Let's take yeah. a step back. Let's see what we're good at. Like you said, we brought Jose, who is basically, um, like you said, a god to those guys. And let's see what we can turn it into, man. And, and honestly, I who was the last top international player that the White Sox either, if they didn't get him, weren't in the you know top consideration to get him, bro. And um, in turn, in turn, I feel like they've also become. Uh, a spot for free agents, man. They had a a great free agent run, you know, last year, bringing in Lance Lynn, bringing in Liam Hendricks, and uh, you know, just upgrading, you know, their pitching staff, upgrading their closing position with proven guys, you know. Yeah, Grandpa was a great get. Absolutely. Yep, yep. So um, I feel like they they kind of killed two birds with one stone. You feel me? Yeah, yeah. I don't see them going out and getting uh. They got to cut the check to Kopech, though. Oh, yeah. Don't even play around with the kid. Maybe you get a, a discount if you go ahead and, and uh, re-up them early. You know, but, man, cut the check. That's Before, what a smart GM would do. I, you know what I mean? And, and I feel like Rick Hahn definitely sees that's on the table. I feel like um, the injury that he's going through now, yeah. you know, the, the hamstring, the way he fell off the mound, it was scary. Um but I, you know, I saw a video of him running today. The man is a gamer, and I feel like the after he made that decision to sit the season out, it was a lot of questions around his mental stability and everything like that. But honestly, fans were talking about trade him. I'm like, man, are y'all crazy? crazy? 
Crazy, crazy. I was impressed. Honestly, the fact that he was able to take a step away showed me mental strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, okay, this dude is serious about his, you know, what he does. You know what I mean? And I, I, I in talking to him, I never questioned the fact that he was going to come back on his game because he he's one of those uh, he's one of those baseball players that that takes great care of his body. He's going to do yoga. He's going to eat right. You know that that's that just was him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm totally happy to see that he came back. And although he he wasn't hitting a hundred as much as he was before, and I know that was kind of the allure when it came to him. The man has one of the most amazing fastballs I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Yo, like you said. It's not like he it's not like he told the ugly girl, the ugly unpopular girl, man, I need to take a step back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He told, yeah, he, he told, he told the hot guys. young unpopular chick. Yeah, exactly. Hey, he told the hot one. I need to break rank. And like you don't you just you like you said, you don't do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's like you, I'll come back when I'm ready. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll come back when it's like, okay, okay, do your thing, get right, get right. So, um, yeah, man, honestly, when you look at the way these guys are playing right now, you're excited for this year. But, man, like, looking down the line, I just feel like – and I feel like I, I kind of learned – and I don't, I'm going to throw this out here from covering the Cubs with Gino. Yeah. Kind of learned that you can never bet on the window staying open as long as you – as long as it looks like it's going to be open. Right. You know? So, that you know, you want to win now. But, man, right now the, the future is set up really nice. Because you always think, oh man, this is gonna be a nice 40 year, four or five year run. And yeah. all you have to do is look, you know, on the other side of the city and just look at yo yeah. clamoring. Yes, yeah, yeah. Clamoring for a piece of of what you know of what people said they were gonna be, and they, you know, they they're doing their thing, but uh but they're having they're supposed, supposed to be the Dodgers, basically, you know. Yeah, now they're trying to figure out do we keep these dudes exactly yeah, as man. And it's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be at that point. And I know, like, out of the five guys, well, Jose is coming to the end of his career anyway. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he has three. So, yeah, how many years do you think well, Jose has left, man? I think he plays, but this is the thing, right? Jose is going to have a, have a statue out in front of that stadium one day. He right? is. He is. He's on a Hall of Fame pace. And as long as he continues to drive drive runs in, I don't look at his average like that. You know, when he got here, Jose was hitting like 300, giving you 30 home runs and yeah, runs. Exactly. Now, now he's around 270. 270. Yeah. But he still give you the home runs and he's driving in like big runs all the time. As long as he's doing that, he's going to be the anchor. And he's going to make it easier for Eloy behind him and Yoan in front of them as they get older, like the game is going to be easy because you have that guy in the fourth spot. See, now it's, I feel like it's going to get interesting because, and I was saying this when Eloy was healthy, um, I'm wondering how do I was thinking of ways, how do you get Eloy out of the outfield? And of course I'm looking at that DA spot. I'm looking at first base, but Andrew Vaughn has made that. Yeah. Yeah. Really flexible now. Like he's performed very well in left field, and he plays first base. The few games he's played first base, he's made some really good defensive plays. He made a three six three, yeah, double play, a big double play, and again late in the oh, game. That's a, that's an athlete. He's slow, but he's a, he got a good mind. You yeah, know what I mean? 
his anticipation and he knows how to play the game. Yeah, period. Before we get to the Astros, you are you re-signing? You are you pulling Rodon in the office? Like, hey, all right, I got a two-year deal for like 2025. <laughs> you you know what? I feel like and, and you know, call it what you want, but I'm not messing with Rodon right now. You know what oh, I mean? Gotcha. Whatever Rodon is doing to have him pitch at this level, I feel like I don't, you know, if if I'm management, I I want him to know that I love it, but I don't want him I don't want him to feel like he doesn't have anything to prove. You know what I mean? It's like Rodon is out there on a mission. Facts. E- every single day. The man is as healthy as he's been since he's been in the league. And uh I I, I feel like I'm I don't I can't think of a player that I've eaten my words with as much as as much as Carlos Rodon, bro. I I I didn't see this kind of season for him um until I started to see him in the spring. And I'm like, what the hell? What is that? 97, 98? Right. 90, I'm like, gee, what what is Rodon on? He was like trip digits today. Yeah, like late, like he, he can push it late. So, yeah. um, the man has been a horse, and he's been on point. Uh, it's definitely in his future, though. I'm he, I'm definitely circling him as now. Yeah, you're here to stay, bro. You know. Yeah. Um, another pleasant surprise that I feel like, um, is what you needed. If 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 you're a team with championship aspirations, man, you 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 signed your players who you knew were going to have an impact, and it was always about okay, where are my other guys? Yeah, you know I mean, and for Carlos Rodon to step up and to be pitching like a, a one or two arm on his staff, yeah, I just just man, like honestly, um, it, it's one of the best stories so far this season uh, when it comes to players. But from a White Sox perspective, um, totally a late bloomer. You know, one of the one of the first guys you got over here uh, after you know after you lost the big names. You know, one of the first guys you were kind of betting the house on and to see him come through. I mean, it's another tip of the cap to Rick Hahn, you know, and the guys up there for sure. So we go to Houston, four-game set. Uh, Houston's playing very well, a solid team, one of the best contact-hitting offenses in the league. So you have a team in the White Sox that's good at striking batters out, going up against a team that doesn't like to strike out a lot. And they make a lot of contact. And that's with a lot of power guys in the lineup. Uh, we're seeing the resurgence of Altuve, who struggled in a truncated season. And uh, they're getting surprising pitching from their starters. And Dusty Baker is doing a fantastic job. Uh, they beat Minnesota, you know, in the playoffs last year and advanced. And I, I thought people thought after the scandal, the cheating yeah. scandal, they thought they would fall off. thought it was sweet. Yeah, but, you know, you got Correa in a walk year, you know, yeah. a big contract waiting for him. So, you know, he's going to be motivated and inspired. You got Altuve trying to come back to show that he's a top-notch player. Yeah, he gets reputation back. Yeah. Bregman is just a dog. Yeah. Bregman is just a dog in the field, in the box. Like, he just gets it done. You know, they have Alvarez, the youngster, and they have Man, some other youngsters coming up that are really, you know, making an impact and contributing. Hundred percent, man. I feel like just um, sans the the whole cheating shit. I mean, you know, excuse me. I feel yeah. like um, I'm one of the guys that felt like if you ain't cheating, you, you ain't trying. And and especially, in baseball, dude. yeah, especially in baseball, baseball. when you, 
it's all about a competitive advantage. You see what these pitchers are doing uh, when it comes to doctoring these balls. Yeah, I mean, the um, the Houston Astros are the guys that got caught. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I totally don't believe they were the only, yeah. yeah, I, I don't believe they were the only guys that were deep into they had their own kind of cheating method. They were the ones that got caught, and honestly, um, they were the ones that benefited the most. Yeah, I mean, I, I also yeah. don't want to act like it didn't help them win at all. Yeah, I mean, it, it I feel like it definitely uh you know it was is a, a unique way to cheat that I feel like, oh yeah, this is some cheating stuff. This is gonna make right. you better. Right. Um, but I still feel like this is one of the most impressive uh, collections of talent in the last few years in baseball. And the the way the Houston Astros just continue to perform offensively, bro. Like you said, the way they play that classic style of baseball, just contact with solid pitching. Uh, you know, they got our boy Dusty, uh, you know, uh, in the dugout, you know, kind of keeping his hands on the steering wheel uh, to kind of get them past that um you know that dark cloud that was you know what i mean I, I feel like yeah. dusty's been great uh but i feel like it's another opportunity for the white Sox uh to show that it's their times I, I feel like the white Sox can beat up on these guys uh and like you said i feel like this is a pitcher staff that can overpower anybody and and basically impose their will you know so i, I feel like the the white Sox are you know are moving towards um a situation where the league is about to recognize them as, as one of the best teams. I feel like we've, we've thought it for a while yeah. and, and on the, on the opportunities they've had on the major stage, like you said, have kind of been underwhelming, but it's all about timing. And right now, you know, even with, with losing another guy, honestly, I feel like I, you know, this is another, another t- a chance for these guys to go on a hot streak. You know, they, they did it after they lost, the first two guys, yeah. and and they showed it, you know, in this series versus Detroit, bro. They just stepped to the plate. Yeah, so we'll be facing your uh, your Kitty, uh, Garcia, Valdez, and then Lance McCullers, and we'll be going with Cease, Rodon, Lynn, and Keiko to close it out. So money, cash <laughs> money. Once again, yes. for me, I look at that and Valdez is the guy I worry about the most because he's a strong left hander. With a good breaking ball, and 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 honestly, and the White Sox are really good against left-handers. It's just those types of left-handers. I feel like they've been better versus left-handers. No, they they're really good against left-handers, but left-handers that pitch up in the zone. Yeah, I said before, man, tend to get them trouble, but they're always going to be in the game no matter who's that they're going up against because their pitching has been just that good. Exactly. So even exactly. when they have lost the left handers, it's been a close game where they had opportunities in the game yep. to score against that pitcher and they just didn't get the job done. That's what it comes down to. A hundred percent SD. That's um a hundred percent on point with what I'm feeling when it comes to that pitching staff. Like I said, they impose their will, bro. Yep. And um, like you said, to get Lance Lynn. And um and, and Dylan Cease at who who were the final the last two arms? I know we got Carlos Rodon. We throw, Dylan Cease. We throw, uh, we throw Cease. It's Cease, Rodon, Lynn, and then Keiko. Yeah, to throw Lynn and Keiko into that series. Yeah. It's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be uh it's gonna be personal for Keiko. 
Oh yeah. That's something you, that was gonna be personal for Come Tyson. on, that's that's some get back. You yeah. feel me? Yeah. That's some get back. And honestly, um one of the things that won me over with Keiko was he was the first one to come out and speak on what was going to Houston. And I know that he was moving on, so he had a little bit of a cushion. Yeah. But he was the first one to say, Hey, yeah, we was out here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Period. Like, I don't care what everybody is like, yeah, we was out here. Baseball. Right. Next. <laughs> so man, let's end it up, man. We always ended up with caught looking, uh, something that just kind of like caught us by surprise or caught our eye around Major League Baseball. I'm gonna jump it off, man. Pete Alonzo, slugger for the New York Mets. You know, yeah. MLB yeah. says they're gonna be cracking down on illegal substances that pitchers are using on baseballs, that it's increasing the spin rate and uh giving them a better grip for their uh, breaking balls. That memo is supposed to be coming this week from Major League Baseball. They're finalizing that. But P. Alonzo and his uh, – he was like, basically, look, we use pine tar and everything else to get a better grip on the bat. He was like, I can really care less whether or not they use a substance to get a grip on the baseball. And, you know, I just think for him, I like guys like that. Like, yeah. I don't care what you're putting on the ball. I'm in this batter's box. Let's get at it. No, SD, I, I thousand percent feel that because I, I feel like every year it, it's some kind of thing where you know they're doctoring the balls. Now we got to move the uh, the mound back or whatever, which so is ridiculous. It's that's refreshing to hear, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, an actual competitor out here that's like, nah, send them at me, you right. know? Right. Because it's been going on since forever. Forever. It's been going on since forever. Nothing new. It's nothing new. You know what I'm saying? If a guy's throwing 100, man, put the back, put the wood on the ball. And I feel like it's been blown up because you have a couple of guys that have been caught red-handed. And the fact that, you know, it's a 15% discrepancy between the strikeout rate, which is at an all-time high, 24%. Yeah. That's the league average. And then the league average of the walk rate is 9%. And, so and, and, then, and then you talk about – Exactly. You look at that, and then you look at you know all of these no hitters. These these, I get a no hitter alert every other day on my phone. We have one today. In the exactly, Car Carlos Rodon, one right. hitter, right? Yeah, you know I mean, so um, uh, but I feel like at some point you do have to tip your cap to the pitchers. You got to tip your cap to what they're able to do now. You know, yeah. what I mean the uh the way these balls break these days, SD. Yeah, you know I mean, I, I don't you know. Going back to my my JRW days, <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, like that, yeah. So um, wow. I feel him, but um, but no. Shout out to Pete Alonzo for keeping it real and and not letting the narrative take over because I feel like a lot of that is just narrative. So what caught you looking, man? Anything catch you looking this week? Uh, you know, not ne uh, necessarily this week as a whole, though, bro. But I've been paying a lot of attention, uh, a lot of attention to our boy uh, Chris Bryant. That I, I feel like he um, he's taken it on the channel last couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, in this city that I feel like should love him more. Like I feel like I'm constantly surprised at the fact that he's the number two guy. Yeah, you know I mean when um, I feel like he's the most talented baseball player in Chicago. You know. Um, yeah. I look at the way he's producing. I feel like the uh, he's he's been able to kind of spark something over there uh, that they haven't had in two or three years, and I feel like uh, he's going to make some team very happy. 
Right. And it's not going to be the Cubs. So I've honestly been rude for him to kind of stick it to his haters and to see him doing it and being consistent with it really from the start of the year all the way on, bro. I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about or a little bit more interested about who's going to have the guts to pull the trigger on him. I'm looking at the Yankees. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking that they're going to find a way to take a swing at him. I'm just, you know, interested in seeing if the Cubs unload somebody, are they going to stick with what the kind of consensus has been over the last couple of years and move Chris Bryant? Yeah, you know I mean, I, I think that he's going to make – he's going to put some team over the hunt, bro. You want him putting on that black pinstripe jersey, man? Why not? I mean, <laughs> why not? I mean, he's, uh, I feel like he's comfortable in the city. Um, and, and the two teams are, are familiar when it comes to business. Right. Um, it, I'll be interested to see what the White Sox got in their chamber, you know. But um, I, I do feel like, you know, good teams are going to start to kick the tires over there on the north side. Yeah, I definitely Red Sox have been kicking the tires. Yeah, bro. Around Chris Bryant for about a year and a half. So yeah, it's sharks in the water. It's sharks in the water waiting. I'll just throw this out there, especially with the way Bellinger continues to get injured. Oh yeah, don't I? I would. I think the amazing blue would actually come out. Would hurt. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a couple of places that Chris Bryant going to with like it would be like really. But um, like man, we need the commissioner to come in like David Stern on the Chris Paul. Yeah, it's like, like, like oh, that, but, um, honestly, I like I feel like um, if the the White Sox get creative out here, then why not? But um, I feel like yeah, you look at what the White Sox were able to pull off getting Eloy and Dylan Cease. The, the Cubs would be crazy to pick up the phone oh, if Rick Hine is calling. <laughs> it's like, not this dude again. I learned yeah. that. So. Yeah, it's really a pipe dream, too. Like, it sounds good, but we know who his agent is. We know he's hitting free agency. And it's, it's going to exactly. it's gonna, it'll be a rental. That's all it's, it would be. It's going to be a rental, and then it's going to be a, a super bidding fest for this man. So, now, um, hey, now, if it's a rental, that means the ask is real cheap. And and honestly, that I feel like with the injuries that they've had, and teams knowing that they that they may be desperate, right. they're going to have to go for somebody that's just a rental, you right. know? Right. So uh, that may be. I mean, like I, SD, that's that's why I love you, bro. You know what I'm saying when you just renting the player, you don't have to pay as much. Yes, sir. Oh, I mean, you know, it might be gaff sheets and Stevers and a couple of other arms or something like that. Hey, no, that I feel like that's uh that's an easy, that's an easy go right there. If you're the White Sox, if that's if yeah. that's what it takes, then you then you bust that move, uh, and then I feel like you uh you've kind of erased the sting from you know at least like one and a half of the players you lost. You get a guy a bat like that in here, and then you're talking about not missing the guys that you miss as much as you have, especially because uh, you're bringing that versatility over here, somebody that can play anywhere. Man, I want y'all to understand the level of ignorance that it will take place on the <laughs> podcast on the South Side if they add Chris Bryant. And ignorance, Luis, bro. Luis and Eloy come back. I want y'all to understand the level of ish that I'm going to be bro. talking. Bro, just, just give guys. me this. 
Just just give me the, the mic. Just let me hold it for a little bit, okay? Because I'm going to have some things to say. Uh, but I feel like, honestly, bro, um, looking at the White Sox and, and the way that, you know, they've changed this culture around, gee, this is some of the best baseball on the South Side right. in 10 years. You know, um, this is a this is a time to enjoy it, man. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like I totally am, am in a space where I, I'm having fun watching White Sox baseball every single night. So yep. um, after that, you know, until we get into, you know, the playoff run and then the year starts to close, uh, you can't ask for more. If you're a White Sox fan, just sit back, pop you a brew, whatever you like to do. Uh, and enjoy, you know, what's going on in the South Side. All right, so we come off a of five and one last week. Uh, we have big series at home, big four game series on the road. This time, when we talk about the White Sox, what's going to be a uh, the thing you want to see? Four and three, five and two. Um, you know what? Because um, with the Rays coming in for three, then we got Detroit, right? No, we uh, the Rays for three, and then, and we then go four Houston. with Houston. Four, right. four with Houston right after that. And then we come back, and five and two. Yeah, man, I, I would love five wins. I would settle for four, uh, but I feel like um, I wouldn't be surprised at five at all. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and get greedy with you and say five wins, uh, especially when I look at who we're facing in the, the uh, Astros series. Absolutely. Uh, yep. scares me, and I like the pitching matchups, and I like who we have going. Uh, that Rays series, we know it's just going to be tough, and it's going to come down to who pitches it better, who throws it better, who catches it better, or who hits it better. It's going to be simple baseball, good playoff baseball type games. Yep. And, you know, we'll just see how our team fares. You know, hopefully they can win the series and take two out of three, going to Houston and get three out of four, and give us those five wins we're looking for. And honestly, I love the fact that they were able to get that W today while resting Tim, you know, while, uh, while resting a lot of guys that are going to be going for the next seven uh, next seven days. So um, definitely they're going in with some momentum. And I stop think- there. That's a good point. Lay off the lineups, man. Oh, like, every time the White Sox post the lineup, calm down. <laughs> calm down, man. These lineups have them 17 games above 500. Thank calm you. Down. Um, I feel like that's just some leftover animosity from Rick Renteria. The, I feel like Tony LaRusa, um, he was always going to need a, some time to, to knock some of the cobwebs off. But I, lately, some of the some of the changes, some of the in-game changes, some of the lineups, you see that he's finding his his uh he's finding his lineups, man. And yeah. I'm at a point where, like you said, SD, I think the guys can win no matter who they put out there. So. Yeah, you look at guys like uh, Lairi Garcia, um, who took a beating from the fan base early. Man, man, the man was damn near MVP of the weekend. Man, I mean, so um, you know, shout out to the you know the the next man up mentality that these guys have. Man, people forget it was just three seasons ago where he was our leadoff hitter. Facts. The majority of the season, facts, almost three (laughs) hundred. Like, dude is not a bum. He can play baseball. That's why beautiful. That's why baseball is as beautiful as it is, man. Anybody can get it. Yes, sir. According to the soil, the podcast. Well, my God, Terrence Tomlin, man. First episode. We heard. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back next Sunday, dropping more gems, telling you everything you need to know 
about the Southsiders and your first place White Sox right here, 17 games above 500, five and a half clear of the Cleveland Indians. And uh, I don't see anybody else picking up speed that's going to catch us. That's just my honest opinion. But uh, I don't want to get too far out of my skis. I feel that SD is hey, it's one of those years, man, where um, the White Sox and totally just not even looking in the rear view as, you know, when we get to late July and August, they can have this thing wrapped up. So, yeah, yeah. All right. It's going to be a fun summer. Yes, sir. According to the soil, the podcast, man, you can look for it. It's going to be on both platforms. That is at the bigs. And you can find that website as you see it scrolling right there. The bigs.us. Go check it out. The bigs.us for great content. Diamond Talk. T Tom will be at Guarantee Rate tomorrow night. Yes, following indeed. the Rays and the White Sox. And then our guy, Eugene, is always going to be post game covering the Chicago Cubs. We definitely want to plug that. And then you can catch me. I'm I'm in, I'm in the studio. Yes, sir. Miles, making sure the radio side is SD, going. I be, I be hearing you. I, I tune in so I can hear you chime in. Your shout outs to love. I, I'm listening to uh, 1000 for you, bro. Yeah, the official home of the Chicago White Sox and Chicago's home for sports, man. So yeah. we'll see you guys next week right here on the Court of the Soil. Peace out. Peace. We're coming from the... And this concludes our Chicago show. Please stay tuned.